Hi everybody, welcome to This Is Comp, a series of Discord and Rhyme mini-sodes where we talk about various artist compilations song by song. You can get access to these episodes six weeks early by donating to our Patreon at the $3 level at patreon.com slash discordpod. I'm Phil Maddox, I'm here today with... Rich Bennell And John McFerrin. If you're on Twitter, you can uh, say hi to us and talk to us about compilations and music and stuff. We're available at discordpod and we love hearing from you guys. You can also email us at discordpod, that's... D-I-S-C-O-R-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you about music and the show. We're currently still working through Nuggets, original artifacts from the first psychedelic era, 1965 to 1968. We've just passed the halfway point. Today we're going to be working on the second batch of tracks from disc three of this four-disc set, tracks nine through fifteen. And for the first time, every single band in the set starts with the. Hooray! <laughs> But not the, the, they weren't together yet. Or I guess it's just a guy, huh? Yeah, I think uh, that's, I think am that's I the only, mostly one guy. Am I the only person here with the the knowledge? I have a copy of Mind Bomb, but that's it. It's pretty good, but I guess we should move on to Nuggets. Yeah, let's uh, move on. We can talk about the the later. Anyway, let's get started. Our first track is Little Bit of Soul by The Music Explosion. So good at snare drums, John. So, a little bit of soul was first recorded in 1964 by a Coventry band called the Little Darlings, whose version is in more of an animals style vein and isn't nearly as awesome as this one. Uh, the music explosion pepped it up a notch, and their version hit number two on the Hot 100 in mid 1967, right behind "Windy" by The Association, uh, a song that you know from the radio and from a montage in Breaking Bad. But Little Bit of Soul was what was on the radio during the Summer of Love, uh, alongside Light My Fire and such, so that's pretty awesome. Uh, the music explosion themselves were from Mansfield, Ohio, and as much as I would love every single Nuggets band to have an unexpected 17-part backstory like Michael and the Messengers, these guys seem to be just a garage band. Uh, but what I love is that every single one of these just a garage bands actually has an extensive history available online in some publication with a hyper-local focus. In this case, Ohio's Richland Source. Uh, one of the reasons the rapid decline in local journalism is so alarming, but I soapbox. I've actually heard this one a bunch of times outside of the context of Nuggets. Like, I guess where I grew up, the oldie station just played this constantly. Like, I so this one, like... It's hard to even have an opinion on it because I just heard it so many times growing up that it kind of faded into the background of like, you put on the oldies radio and here it is. It's a real good song. I only know it from Nuggets. 
Right, but I heard it just a lot. I kind of thought everybody yeah. did. I was, I was surprised when it showed up on Nuggets because I thought, like, this is a real famous song. But, like, Well, we're going to get some know. really famous songs on disc four. Yeah. But I kind of wonder if it's, like, really famous or if it's just, like, for some reason I just encountered it constantly. No, it's really famous. It just followed you around. But, yeah, it's definitely real good. Like are putting one the song of the, through you know, college. Th- there's, there's a reason it's famous. It's real catchy. I I like it. I like it less than I feel like I should. Um, maybe, I mean, maybe it's due to overexposure. Um, though I usually try to avoid um, souring on songs due to overexposure. Like, of this of this batch of nuggets, like, there there, there are a couple duds um, in, in this batch, but I would actually just... There, there's a, a there's a few songs in this batch that I would I would slot above this one, even though like this is one of the most probably one of the most famous songs from the whole set. It 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 strikes me I don't want to say like replacement level nugget, but it's like replacement level good nugget. Like there's I, I would slot it like just almost exact middle of the of the set in terms of quality, and that kind of surprised me. I, I mean I guess that says more about just how good nuggets is. But it's 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 one that I, I kind of like, but I it never has really wowed me. Right, I guess it doesn't really wow me. I think I might like it. I might be thinking it. I like it a little bit more just because. Uh, spoiler alert! I'm not a big fan of this particular batch, and I do think it's it stands out in downs. this batch. That's fair. It has some I ups think and downs. It, it stands out in this batch, but I mean, I don't like it as much as you know stuff like I had too much to dream last night by the Electric Prunes or like some of the Chocolate Watch Band stuff on this set. But it's pretty good. I never heard this song growing up, ever. I first heard it huh. on Nuggets. That's strange. Uh, so this song was also sampled in a Two Live Crew song uh, that I can't say the name of without getting the explicit tag because it's Two Live Crew. And I also mm. don't want to clip. So just look it up and it's not safe for work. That goes without saying. Uh, but but the sample's pretty ridiculous and funny. All right. Well, unless anybody else has anything to say about the music explosion. Eh. Uh I guess we'll move on to the next track, which is uh, Put the Clock Back on the Wall by the E-Tanks. No, wait, the E-Types. The E-Types. I was hoping you would say that. (laughs) I'm so touched. When the local population starts to worry about your mood, starts to wonder why the clouds are in your eyes. I hate when the local population starts to worry about my mood. was released in 1967 but unfortunately did not chart which uh, not a lot of songs in this episode did these guys come from salinas california down near monterey so these guys were pretty short-lived they never released an album uh they just put out four singles before disbanding the last one was released under the name charlotte wood for some reason i couldn't find a good explanation for why um but i guess they just randomly changed their names 
But if you're interested, all of their work was compiled on an album entitled Introducing the E-Types in 1995 on Sundazed Records, which if you're not familiar with them, they put out tons of like, you know, old obscure stuff from like bands from the 50s through the 70s. So this song wasn't a very big hit, but the band had, you know, their successes. They got to perform one of their songs, She Moves Me, on Dick Clark's Where the Action Is. So, you know, that's not bad. You know, they made it pretty, pretty far. So much later on, they um, after they broke up, they actually did get back together in 1998 to make a reunion album called Chase the Moon. And then much later, um, they made one called Sometime Soon, which um, they released themselves. And I'm pretty sure nobody has heard of, possibly including their families. But um, they might be OK. I've never I didn't listen to them. So. This one was written by Alan Gordon and Gary Bonner, who are songwriters who also wrote Happy Together by the Turtles. So uh, they came up earlier in an earlier This Is Comp episode. I don't remember it, though. I don't have instant recall of that stuff. Yeah, me either. Let me try to find it. So this one, like, so it's a very kind of psychedelic type song. Um, I really like it's like opening guitar riff. I don't think it's much of a song aside from that riff. <gasps> like, it's decent. Like, it's got some nice vocal harmonies, but, like, you know, this is, this is like, a, you know, average quality nugget for me. Like, it's fun. I like it while it's playing. Like, outside of that guitar riff, I don't think there's anything super memorable about it. Oh, I don't agree with that at all. Oh. I, I love this one. Discord. Yep. Like, it, I... I love the melody. I love the chorus. I, I love the, the way that the guitar and organ... I love the stuff that the guitar and organ do. I love the that echoey piano part that that's that's near the end. Like I I, I yes, it, it, it to, in a certain sense there's it's kind of a, a bunch of ideas kind of just smashed together and 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 you know they 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 pulled a song out of it not through cohesion just by just by smushing a bunch of things together, but it's a, a lot of great ideas that they smushed together. Like this one kind of feels like a ringer. Like, because, a like, little. like, the piano bit, like, a lot, this song sounds, like, very professional, which I believe it was produced by Ed Cobb, who did a lot of work for, like, a lot of bands at the time, and it's very clear that this is not, you know, a raw recording. This is very, very professional, which, you know. So, these guys are seasoned songwriters, because I knew that we covered the songwriters behind Happy Together before, and we did. Uh, it was on disc one. It was The Magician's An Invitation to Cry, which was written by uh, uh, by Donner and Gordon. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So these guys are experienced Nugget songwriters. They are ringers. So how do you feel about it, Rich? I like this song. I like the harmonies on the chorus. Uh, the thing is that it sounds like it could have been on Nuggets 2, uh, which, which covers more psychedelic music from uh england and beyond and is generally to me just more colorful and interesting than nuggets one as much as i like nuggets one so at this point in the compilation uh it feels kind of like a tease to me like i i we're gonna cover nuggets too eventually right guys Woo! hopefully yes because i love that one yeah so good song makes me really hungry for for nuggets too that's fair Plus, if it were actually made by a British band, it would probably have much more interesting layered production. And here it's in kind of a limbo state. I don't even know what I'm saying, though. Like, the song makes me long for another comp. That's my contribution here. Yeah, I, you're saying that like it should have been made by a different band. It should have been made by someone who would who would lean in to the ideas that they had put together here as opposed to just kind of colliding them and saying, OK, we're done. 
Yeah, that is a very memorable chorus, though. It gets stuck in my head all the time. At any rate, uh, speaking of being hungry for things, you know what I'm hungry for? Some Falling Sugar by the Palace Guard. You'll rot Mm. your teeth. Just pour it right into your mouth. Don't worry, Bart. There's no sugar in pixie sticks. Or don't worry, Rod. There's no sugar in pixie sticks. I messed up my Simpsons quote. Hmm. Butterscotch chicken. just found out that the e-types were returning nuggets musicians and so are the palace guard though this time we're going back in time uh this is another appearance by emmett rhodes who we first heard from as the mccartney-esque singer-songwriter behind live by the merry-go-round on disc two which was quite a lovely song as i recall um this was released a year earlier in early 1966 and rhodes was the palace guards drummer but not their vocalist the mccartney within still yearning to escape the the guard made the rounds on local media, including Casey Kasem's Shebang and Dick Clark's American Bandstand spinoff, Where the Action Is, which we just heard about, uh, performing in Palace Guard-style uniforms because, of course, they did because they were a band in the 60s with a name. Anyway, even with Emmett Rhodes struggling to break free, I think this is a really pretty song. Yeah, this one's nice. This is, um, I think, one of the better ones in this batch. Um, I don't have a ton to say about it. It's got, like, a very nice melody. I kind of like the, like, you know kind of descending like melody in the chorus like a very you know solid kind of jangly guitar line just you know not exceptional but a solid pop song yeah i basically with phil it's it's fine um rich you said that the last song makes you want to listen to nuggets too this one just makes me want to listen to the hollies no i haven't heard the hollies very much Uh, what should i hear about what should i hear by them just get a good comp yeah, a <laughs> sounds, lot of their best stuff good. is on singles. The, yeah, they're they're a singles band more than an album band. Um, yeah, this one's fine. It's it 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 has nice harmonies. It has a a nice guitar line, and again, like to me, it's a it's a middle of the pack nugget. Again, like that's that's more to the praise of nuggets uh, than the condemnation of this song. But it's it's fine. Right, there's only a handful of like nuggets that are actually like straight up bad. I agree, and even then, they're often interesting, but. Like, again, I think this batch, I don't think there's anything bad in this batch at all, but it's just not my favorite batch of, you know, treks that we've gone through. I guess it's mostly interesting to me uh, because of Emmett Rhodes, because it this, I don't know, this kind of marks the point to me when McCartney by himself, as opposed to Lennon McCartney, began, began to become somebody who influenced people. Right. Like, apparently, Emmett Rhodes uh, would, would would sometimes go on the stage solo and play covers of Yesterday, and, like... Between this and the merry-go-round song, like we can work it out, and Paperback Writer came out, and like that was that was pretty much the full McCartney arriving, and Rhodes was like, "That's it, I'm I'm getting out of this popsicle stand. Like I'm I'm gonna be- I'm gonna become McCartney-esque." 
anyway, I just think that's interesting. Like the, but there, there was like a, a cultural point when like Lennon and McCartney kind of like broke into their own like influential styles, and uh, it's it's cool seeing somebody like at the pivot point right here. Yeah. No, I get that. On that note, let's run, run, run to the next song, which is uh, "Run, Run, Run" by The Gestures. Our second run, run, run of Nuggets. Yep. well mixed song yeah i really like this one so this one was uh released in october of 1964 and charted in december so technically it's out of the range for yeah it's really stretching it right because we were in 1964 which man this is quite a song for 1964 um hit number 44 on the hot 100 so these guys are from mancota minnesota which i believe might be our first minnesota band we've covered I think so. We've had Wisconsin. We've had uh, we've had Michigan, but not not Mankato. So these not gu- Minnesota. <laughs> so these guys were originally known as the Jesters, and um, apparently they were about halfway through pressing uh, their first single, which was this, when they found out there was another band called the Jesters already. Mm. So they had to um, abort the uh, pressing and change their name at the absolute last second. And I'm guessing they went with the gestures because it is very close to the gestures. Should have just called themselves the new gestures. Exactly. <laughs> and then the originals. So this band uh, was real short-lived. They only ever made two singles, counting this one. And they, they were literally teenagers. Like, one of the members of the band was 15, and the others weren't much older. So, like, they toured for about a year and a half, and apparently, like, they would go to clubs and open for, like, the Everly Brothers and Roy Orbison... And they were driving around in a van, like, by themselves. Like, and a lot of these clubs, they apparently actually needed permission slips from their parents to even play at them. So, just absurdly young for the time. Like, so this is a real solid song. Like, really good. The band shows a lot of promise. But, uh, unfortunately, they were sunk by a lack of distribution. Apparently, their record label, Soma, could not produce enough records to meet demand. Um, people would like go to the store after hearing this on the radio and they just could not find it. Apparently people would come up to them at their shows and yell at them because why can't I buy your album? And later on, the band found out that apparently there had been offers from major labels, but the record label refused to sell. Aww. So they just kind of got hurt by, you know, stuff like that. Anyway, this is a real solid, catchy song. I mean, obviously very, very Beatles-inspired, very much kind of trying to do, like, a British Invasion Mercy Beat kind of thing. Done very, very effectively, I think. Like, really strong production, 
like really strong harmonies, nice melodic twists. I think this is the uh, champion of this particular batch of nuggets. Yeah, even with the Mercy Beat influence, I'm surprised it came out so early. It's uh, it's really clearly produced. It's uh, I'm, uh, it's a really energetic performance from a bunch of kids. And yeah, I love that story about them just uh, these guys, these kids just driving around in a van um, in 1964, like just not knowing where to go. Apparently, they got lost and went to the uh, to the wrong city in one case. And this was in the early days of the of of the interstate highway system before Google Maps. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to imagine doing that when I was 15. I love this one. Um, it's it, it's 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 kind of dark. It's got this, and it's got this real. It's it's a it's an upbeat peppy song, but it's also got this this tinge of melancholy simultaneously, and they weave together really well. Um, the guitars are great. The drums are fantastic. Oh yeah, they are. Yeah, this is this is a band that sounds like it really knows what it's doing. It's kind of a tragedy that they weren't able to do more. I think they did some reunion shows like really late, like in the twenty twelve, like around twenty twelve, I think. Hmm. But. Uh, well, yeah, I it's a shame. They they, they should have uh it would have been nice if they could have done more. I mean, if this song has a weakness, it's that it's absurdly derivative. Like it's like but I mean it's nuggets, almost everything is, it? is absurdly for nineteen sixty four? I not, think it sounds kind of ahead of its uh, I'm not ahead of its time, but like it sounds like just, just like that good of production and like again, like I don't know that that, that ambiguity of mood doesn't sound typical of 64 i don't think yeah i can see where you're coming from i mean i think it's like their style is clearly like you know they want to do like a british invasion like beatles pop kind of thing but the songwriting itself is original like the melody is original and the band is clearly talented like they had something it's like i think they could have you know if they had managed to put together a career in the music industry like i think they would have developed into something interesting i mean i guess we'll never know nope but I, th- I think they had a lot of potential based on this song. Maybe if they were the jesters instead of whoever wasted that name. Yeah. Yeah. But I know a lot of people consider this one like kind of a garage rock classic. A lot of people love it, which is probably why it got included, even though it's technically not in the correct timeline for this set. Yeah, I feel like if, if they didn't put it on, like people would just complain. Yeah, because it's, <laughs> you know, a lot of like gar- the, the angry nuggets lobby. Yes. All right. Well, anybody, unless anybody has anything else, uh, I guess I need you to help me move on to the next song, which is a cover of the Kinks' I Need You by The Rationals. I need you to need The Rationals. <laughs> That's a lot better than what I came up with. was released in 1967 and the rationals hail to the victors from ann arbor michigan look i just made a sports joke Woo! this is a watershed in my life Mm. uh anyway ann arbor is the home of the mc5 the stooges and me as well as one time home of discord and rhyme co-host chris willie williams it's a nice place 
So the Rationals came from the same scene as the Stooges and the MC5 and recorded for A2 Records, a a local nickname that I've heard as both A-squared and A2. Nobody says AA for obvious reasons. Like so many Nuggets band, uh, they were very regionally popular but never really broke out. Uh, Though I just found out that they put out a full-length album in 1969 that didn't really gain much traction, but has been sampled by both uh, Caribou and the late Jay Dilla, so that's interesting. The album got remastered last year, and I dug around and listened to some clips, and they were actually pretty solid and varied in tone and style, so... Uh, Dig around on YouTube and buy it if you're interested. Uh, So lead singer and guitarist Scott Morgan actually still lives in Ann Arbor, and I have not hung out with him. Uh, But he has continued to record music in various local Southeast Michigan bands, and he actually released a solo album as recently as 2017. Anyway, so that's a lot of words for a Mediocre Kings cover. (laughs) Right. Like, I would be interested in hearing some other stuff from this band just because... They have a good sound, but the sound is also the same sound as the Kinks. Yep. Like, this is, um, I kind of wonder why this one was selected for Nuggets. This is the kind of track I have a hard time saying anything about because it's great, but it's also I Need You by the Kinks covered exactly. Yeah, I don't get why this one exists. I mean, I get why it exists because it's like, hey, here's a great song. Let's just perform it and then maybe we'll get some residual, like, you know, popularity off of it. Yeah, but somebody should have told them, hey, uh, this was, I mean, it's a great one. But this was the this was the most obscure of the of the three uh, early that of you really got me all day and all the night and I need you. This is the most obscure of the three in the first place for for a reason. And then you're just doing the song straight and you're doing it five years too late. Maybe like, they no were hoping care. maybe they were hoping that people would think they wrote it. Well, that's that's possible. Yeah, and I Need You is already, like, the fourth kink song that sounds like that. It's the third rewrite of You Really Got Me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's kind of a carbon copy of a carbon copy, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, let me be clear. Like, I really like the original I Need You. But again, like, this one just, it's trying so hard to to, to mimic every last detail of the original. And it's just like, yeah, I just want to go listen to the kinks now. Yeah, I wish they would have picked- listened to the kinks. I mean, I've never heard another Rational song, but assuming that they're a pretty good band, like Rich said he heard some clips and that they're good, I wish they had picked something that wasn't, you know, as pointless as this. This doesn't exist on the scale of good and bad. I can't say if it's a good nugget or a bad nugget. It's just, uh, well, here's an exact cover. Why? Well, here's the thing. Um, So the Rationals album came out in 1969 and uh, uh, and falls outside of the scope of Nuggets, but it also falls out of the stylistic scope of Nuggets. It's a lot more like layered and varied of an album. I I really think that uh, everyone listening and the rest of the cast should check it out because I think that uh, it might have some fans here. I'll definitely check it out. Yeah, it seems like it might be a lost uh, a lost treasure, honestly. I mean, these guys were like in the same scene as some really, really talented people and they were learning from the best. So... Uh, I might pick it up myself. Okay. All right. Well, I don't think we have too much more that needs to be said about this exact co- copy of uh, I Need You by the Kinks. So uh, let's move <laughs> on to uh, Knock Knock by the Humane Society. <laughs> me and I just want to be 
be near. He cast me out like a dog in the rain. But do you know what's going? This whirling, swirling brain. Knock, knock. This one uh, was released in spring of 1967 as the B-side to a cover of, of all things, Tiptoe Through the Tulips. Right? Yeah. Which, uh, this doesn't sound anything like that. So, these guys come from Simi Valley, California. Um, They started life as the Innocents, but they quickly changed their name to the Humane Society, which is a dreadful name for a band yeah awful name the gestures and the humane society try harder it also made them really hard to research too because you look up <laughs> humane society yeah. simi valley and uh, i know where to adopt a cat now but it was really yeah. hard to find anything about the band so this is another of those quintessential extraordinarily short-lived nuggets bands they released two singles this one in april of 1967 and then, like, more than a year later, they released another single on a different record label, Lorna, with a song called Eternal Prison on the B-side. Uh, that went nowhere, and then the band broke up instantly. So, I guess this song, it's it's interesting, like, just because it's, um, so it's a very angry song. Like, it's kind of an angry slash suicidal song, like, with kind of like an angry, like, rave up, like, part. It's interesting. I like a lot of people love this one. Um, I find it more interesting than actually good. It's got a cool little guitar line and it speeds up and slows down. Sounds kind of it's 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 kind of disjointed, which I think is what a lot of people like about it. Um, but I think I like this one less than most people. It just kind of seems like it's, you know, interesting just because of the lyrical matter of it. I totally get that on every objective level. I feel like this song makes no sense and it's kind of dumb. And every time I listen to it, I absolutely love it. I can't imagine the sixties without this song. Like just, just the, just the sparseness of it, just the drama of it. And then the (laughs) rave up in, in, in the middle. It's so fun. It's so preposterous. I like it so much. I think I'm slightly biased against it due to my like tastes in cinema. I, I don't know for mm. some reason this. I never actually heard this in a movie, but it just seems like the kind of yeah. song that like Scorsese would use in a scene, like you know where a guy is like slowly walking around in a bar, and then he like as as the song like picks up, he starts beating the crap out of somebody, and there are a bunch of Dutch angles and blood and stuff. And I just assume uh, that every Scorsese movie that I haven't seen includes this song. If it's not in a Scorsese movie, it needs to be or or, or a western. Or, our our tarantino if we want to dump it somewhere throw it in an edgar wright movie this would have worked in baby driver anyway so this whole discussion like illuminates my point this is a very this song isn't a style that's become associated with a particular type of scene in a movie (laughs) like like a kind of like badassness that i that kind of rubs me the wrong way but it's a pretty good song so i guess i have the only additional note i have on this is that when i was getting ready for this episode i was looking through the nuggets liner notes and they described the follow-up single to this as having a, quote, jaw-dropping B-side, but with no additional information. 
And I'm like, well, that kind of left me hanging. What's the B-side? What makes it jaw-dropping? So I looked it up. It's uh, the song I mentioned earlier, Eternal Prison. And jaw-dropping is not the wrong description. (laughs) So there's a guitar imitating a police siren and absurdly morbid lyrics that are kind of ambiguously about going to prison and being dead. Like, they're so clumsy. It's really weird. Like, sample lyric. See this dark come tumbling down. Everyone will fall to the ground. Tomorrow there will be no regret. Or tomorrow will come you're dead. They're going to put you in a prison. They're going to leave you without living. Let's get this into a Tarantino film. Wow, yeah, I'm going to have to listen to that. And it's like it's a weird folk rock song. Like, it's really bizarre. Like, it's worth listening to. I I wouldn't call it a great song or anything, but it's really weird. And I like things that are, you know, real weird. So, you know, give that one a listen. Well, so we're only doing seven songs this time. So I guess up next is our final track of this set. It's Primitive by the Groupies. Whoa, smokestack lightning. <laughs> what I don't know can never hurt me. I live a life that was before me. What I respect, you just can't see. city specifically the lower east side where they were not the luckiest guys they were the second luckiest because in 1966 they were apparently the second hottest act in new york behind the young rascals uh who are much more famous than the groupies and they were the second hottest act entirely on the strength of their live performances uh, several local magazines uh, praised them effusively for what they described as abstract music uh, but all music guys, Richie Unterberger, is, is cooler on them in hindsight, calling their only record Primitive, a typical American garage derivation of the Rolling Stones and Yardbirds. And I'm inclined to agree, this seems like a you-had-to-be-there sort of situation. <laughs> um, and it's also basically a rewrite of Helen Wolf's Smokestack Lightning, which Phil was singing along with earlier, and that also doesn't really help its case for being abstract. No, it's not just basically a rewrite of Smokestack Lightning. It is shamelessly a rewrite of Smokestack Lightning. It's the exact same riff and rhythm. I mean, it's a good riff and it's a good rhythm. And I love, you know, Smokestack Lightning because, you know, I'm, you know, our podcast resident jam band guy. And, you know, the Grateful Dead used to do like 20 minute versions of this, like back in like the 60s. And I love those. Um and this just made me think, I could be listening to that instead, and that's considerably better than this. The Cramps covered it as well. I mean, 
it's fine, but it's completely just completely stolen and you know i'd rather listen to the real song than this like kind of you know half-baked knockoff so i agree with your basic point every time i know when i know when when a good john moment is coming yep i i i i listen to this i'm just like okay this is this is a ripoff of a famous song and there's nothing really that interesting. And when I'm listening, I was like, why do I like this stupid song so much? And I was thinking, like, the title is interesting to me. Just the the, the fact that they called it, that, that they that they had it be called primitive. Like it's almost like it's almost like if I don't know, if 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 cavemen like heard smoke sta- smokestack lightning and then decided that they were going to like try and do an imitation of it. And that's and in that sense, I kind of get the abstract rock angle of it. It's 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 like a like an an overly intellectualized uh, attempt to synthesize uh, really really simple garage rock in a way that almost kind of works, but it's done by people that don't actually know what rock music sounds like. It I, I it 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 just fascinates me. Like if I if if I heard an entire album of this, it would probably drive me bonkers, but I like it every time I hear it. So I, mean, I, can, I, I don't exactly dislike it because, you know, I like Smokestack Lightning, so I don't want to be too harsh on it, but I just have to give it endless demerits for lack of creativity. And that's fair. I've done the same thing for many, many other songs, too, Like I and I understand that I'm, I'm being somewhat of a hypocrite, and yet I'm probably just going to go listen to this song again when we're done. Like always, I just like it sociologically. It's a look in yeah. just reading about this song is a look into a place in time when when audiences were really excited about this song, this yeah. one song. But this this is the only song by this band, and for a short period of time, they were the talk of New York City. Right. But if you like this song, you know, I'd recommend going out and getting yourself a copy of the absurdly terribly titled and sounds like an archival release but it's not actually an archival release history of the grateful dead bears choice volume one which has a really great version of uh, smokestack lightning on it that was an interesting set because it didn't have a lot of songs i liked very much but i like talking about them so this podcast is succeeding yeah this one's fun yeah these are fun not my favorite set of songs but i mean i'm always down to talk about some nuggets all right well let's roll some credits all right what do you call this record with all these songs? This is comp, yeah, yeah. This is comp, yeah, yeah. This is comp, yeah, yeah. This is. Thank you for listening to This Is Comp part of the Discord and Rhyme podcast. If you'd like early access to these episodes, visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash discordpod and pledge the $3 level or above. Our opening theme is performed by the Hector Collectors. You can find more of their music at thehectorcollectors.bandcamp.com. The closing theme that you're hearing right now is performed by Kenneth Crayley. You can find his own music at Kenneth Crayley. That's Kenneth, K-E-N-N-E-T-H, Crayley, K-R-A-Y-L-I-E, .bandcamp.com and his band Casinos at casinos.bandcamp.com 
Music for the theme was originally composed by Andy Partridge of XTC, with new lyrics by Adam Smith of the Hector Collectors. Visit our website, discordpod.com, for more info about the show and a list of upcoming episodes. You can follow us on Twitter at DiscordPod. You can follow me at PA Maddox. You can follow Rich at Zone Trope. And you can follow John at Tarkus1980. See you for the next batch of nuggets and be ever wonderful. This was comp. Yeah, yeah.